Your health doesn't define who you are. It is a small component of your being that kind of allows you to have the vitality and the energy to go and do the things that you're really passionate about. Hello, I'm Steph Boulay, and you're listening to the Inside Out Institute podcast. This episode is all about exercise and about healing your relationship with exercise. Exercise is really seen as a virtue in our society, but for people with an eating disorder, exercise can become quite the opposite. It can become excessive and compulsive to the point where it takes over your life and becomes dangerous for your health. In fact, for many people with an eating disorder, exercise is actually of greater concern than the food. To delve into this, I'm talking today to Sarah King, who is an exercise physiologist and health coach. Sarah helps people who have disordered relationships with exercise. We talk about how to safely exercise in eating disorder recovery, how to know when you're overdoing it, and what to do about it, and the role of social media. Now, this episode is a little bit different because Sarah is not only our expert guest, she also has her own lived experience of overcoming an eating disorder, which she very generously shares with us. The thing that kind of kicked it off for me was a really unhealthy relationship that I was in where the person that I was with would often make comments about my body and comparisons as to what he believed was like the ideal. And I was so young and so impressionable and all I wanted to do was be liked. And I was like, right, well, this is the way that I'm going to be liked and accepted. And I kind of masked it a little while as being like, I'm just going to the gym and I'm just being healthy and eventually it just spiraled out of control and I could not live without exercising. It was really compulsive and my behaviours became more restrictive and it just got to a point where I was really unwell. Um, But as many people with an eating disorder would kind of understand, I was also in denial. And at first I didn't want to get help. So for many years I kind of went through semi-recovery like I saw psychologists and psychiatrists and a dietitian and I definitely made progress but it hit a point when like my best friend just said to me she's like you can't keep living like this and I ended the bad relationship that I was in and I was like right I don't want my life to just be completely ruled by thoughts around food and exercise and my body um and kind of went headfirst into recovery and unlearning all the really unhelpful messages and basically doing everything, doing every opposite action to what my eating disorder wanted in order to get better. And that took years. Like it takes, it doesn't take that long to kind of come down with an eating disorder. It takes a long time to get out of it. Going and doing an intensive outpatient program was really helpful because the group dynamic and hearing how other people were struggling really made me recognize that I wasn't alone. And eating disorders are such, and and mental illness in itself is such an isolating experience to be in. Um, Being surrounded by others who were trying to fight for the same recovery that I wanted kind of propelled me forward. And that combined with, I had a really supportive family. And over time, my kind of inner monologue started to change. And when I regained 
some weight, it kind of flipped a switch in my brain, which kind of um, gave me space to go like, whoa, like I can't believe that all of those thoughts I thought were my reality, when in fact, like that was just my eating disorder side of my brain. And I got to access more of my logical brain. And I think that's when I started to make really progressive changes in my recovery because I could actually, I was clearer of mind. You, you almost feel like you're in a prison cell with it and you have to start to break free of that. And it is a bit of a grieving process, which sounds really odd, but it's what you've known for so long. You kind of have to come out of not only the negative behaviors that you were in, but also you have to start finding who you are again, which is you know, a massive self-discovery process. Hey, just a quick question. Do you work in fitness? Did you know that you can play a really important role in identifying eating disorders early and helping your clients into recovery? Inside Out's e-learning course will teach you how to do this. It's accredited by Fitness Australia for two CECs. Head to the Fitness Australia or the Inside Out website for more. The course is called Eating Disorder Red Flags, Decision Making and Communication for At-Risk Clients. You're listening to the Inside Out Institute podcast, rethinking eating disorders from the inside out. In your role um, as an exercise physiologist, you often help people with eating disorders. What, what's that like being in that role? Yeah, sure. So when I went through recovery, there was really no information about like what was okay and what was too much in terms of exercise. You know, we know that during recovery, it's such an important factor to help people heal their relationship with food and with their body. But there's also like an exercise component for a lot of people. And it usually falls into one of two categories. It's either over-exercising mm -hmm. or exercising has always been this thing that's been done for purely weight loss reasons or as a way to earn food. And then that's given up and it's kind of resented. So you want to take those both, like both of those sides, which are at opposing ends, and help people find their happy balance in the middle. So I... So hell. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's really the challenge because it's on an individual basis. But a lot of the things that I do are, first of all, listening to people's experiences and what they're struggling with. So if it's over-exercise or compulsive exercise um, as a behavior for compensation for things that they ate or even to just kind of make it through the day, it's getting to the root of where that belief came from, where did that story come mm -hmm. from, and slowly helping them change that story. So it's part changing their behavior. So we'll look at what their exercise routine is now and if we can kind of change that up to break the rigidity or the type or the time that they're doing and reduce any harm in that instance. So how do we know if we're exercising in a healthy way and where does it cross the line to become compulsive and over-exercise? I think if you can't take a break or you can't give yourself a break and you feel a lot of guilt and shame around resting your body, then you're probably not in the best place with it. But that's not saying that you can't exercise at all. It's just saying that there's like a little bit of work that needs to be done. Um, I mean, if you look at the research, there's so much different research was like, which says, you know, if you go above six hours, then that's obsessive and 
disordered and then below that is not. But it doesn't really matter about the amount. It's more the intention behind right. it. But we do know that overdoing any amount while underdoing your nutrition, regardless of mm. your body size, is problematic. Yes. And um, I think when your internal health starts to take a hit because of what you're doing physically, then it crosses the line from healthy to unhealthy. And what are the consequences if you are continuing to um, exercise excessive and beyond your, what you're putting in? Yeah. I mean, there's a myriad of different consequences. I'll go through a few of the most common. Mm. Um, the first one is injuries. Injuries and illness are really, really common if you're over-exercising because you're not giving your body enough time to rest and recover because you don't actually become fitter or stronger in the gym. What actually happens when you exercise is you break down your tissue and it's the moments in between you know, the 24 hours after, if you're feeding your body well and you're resting it, that you actually rebuild those structures and you get cardiovascular, cardiovascularly, I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> Sounds good. Fitter. Um, <laughs> but if you're neglecting to do that, what you're actually continually doing is just burning down your body. Mm-hmm. Um, hormonally, it can lead to hormonal imbalances. Mm-hmm. So that could be loss of or lowering of testosterone for males. Um, and for females, it might be a loss of their periods. And then socially, it can be a really big a big one because you know exercise is put at the forefront of everything else. So you might miss out on friends' birthdays or other social gatherings because it doesn't fit in with your workout schedule. Um, and I think that's when you kind of have to ask yourself, like, do I want to get to the end of my life and mm-hmm. have missed out on these, making these great memories just because I thought that exercise um, was the most important thing in my life. And when exercise is such a big part of your identity and your day, and when you have to remove and reduce it, what do you? how do you maintain an identity or how do you find yourself again? I know that you had personal yeah. experience with that. How do you find yourself without fitness? How do you find yourself? Yeah, yes, exactly. That's the big question. Um, and it's one part of the how do you know who you are without your eating disorder because you've lived with it for so long. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people is that exercise is a great thing, but we will get it to the point where it's like brushing your teeth. It's something that you do every day, a little bit every day to keep your, you know, you brush your teeth every day to keep, keep them healthy, but you don't obsess over it. You don't think about it all the time. <laughs> you literally get yeah. up, you have your breakfast, you brush your teeth, you're out the door. And so exercise needs to become kind of like that eventually. Mm-hmm. In the here and now, you know, what you're trying to do is just minimize any damage and give people a different dialogue in their head when negative eating disorder thoughts come up around exercise to kind of combat that. And eventually you'll start filling your life with other things that you're interested in. Um, when that's, you know, the bigger picture of recovery is taking the main components of what you're focused on, which is usually like exercise, food, body image, other things you might be struggling with, and realizing that your whole life wheel has lots of components. And you know, if you've been focusing on those three things, how can we start to put the other components of the wheel back in? And once you do that, you know, exercise naturally becomes 
a smaller part. In its place. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. But you use it healthfully and in the right amounts. And what do you think, um, what sort of questions and themes are you hearing repeatedly from your clients? And uh, what do you, what's your message to those concerns? A lot of the themes that come up are around the pressures that they feel from the outside world to keep up and maintain what they think they need to do in terms of fitness. So what sort of pressures? Are you talking like social media? Social media oh, pressures. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of, and a lot of also like health messages, the public health messages that are out there which kind of create a little bit of fear-mongering. So, you mean like the 30 minutes a day? Kind well, of more like the 10,000 steps. So then, you know, there's a lot of people that get caught up on, you know, I have to hit this mark, and if I don't hit this mark, then I'm seen as lazy and unfit, which is, you know... Unhelpful. N- not, not necessarily true, because there's so many nuances when it comes to health, right? You know, the 10,000 steps doesn't actually have that much scientific grounding we actually know it's right. a lot less it's the same for the fitspo stuff you know i usually go through my clients and we do a bit of a social media detox and i say to them like every time you log on to social media it's your magazine right imagine you have your favorite magazine you can either fill that magazine with really unhelpful things that are going to perpetuate you feeling like crap about yourself yep. Or you can fill it with really great things, not just fitness related, but also like cute puppies and like funny memes. (laughs) Good interior designing. Exactly. All this other stuff. Yeah. So you're not laser focused on always thinking about bodies, fitness, exercise, food, which Mm -hmm. is kind of what we as society focus on way too much. Your health doesn't define who you are. It is a small component of your being that kind of allows you to have the vitality and the energy to go and do the things that you're really passionate about. We make it really like central to who we are, but it's not necessarily so. Uh, just to give this a bit of context, at what point is it healthy to start introducing exercise into recovery? You know, definitely if we're thinking about like medical reasons for not putting exercise into your recovery yet, being underweight is definitely one that I would not recommend. You, you need to kind of look at the bigger picture because yes, we think exercise is such a great thing, but we need to know internally what's going on for that person as well because behaviors such as purging or severe restriction can really be dangerous if we throw exercise into the mix because we're looking you know, at electrolyte imbalances and energy deficiencies, and then we're putting the body under more stress with exercise. Yes, it's it can not be quite dangerous. It's not a good mix. It's definitely not a good mix. Um, but then on the flip side, some people just need like a solid break mentally, and they're looking for that almost permission to just do nothing. Mm-hmm. And for those people out there, a hundred percent, I say like, you can take a break. You can take like I took yeah. a year off from exercising when I was in my recovery because I was like I just need to figure out Reset. if I can yeah I just, I just needed yeah. to know that I could live without it and be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so both options are fine, but you when you think you're like mentally ready and when you're physically showing signs of being well nourished and you have a really good treatment team behind you, then I think it's fine to start moving your body again, but. Don't do it on your own. 
you know, you've got a dietitian to guide you with your meal plan. You've got mm-hmm. a psychologist to help you with your mindset. At least for, you know, a couple of sessions, have someone who can hold you accountable and let them tell you what's a good amount to do at this time in your recovery. Yeah, prescribed exercise. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, and how do you introduce exercise in a healthy way? Like what might those first few uh you know, exercise sessions look like, but what might you advise? Obviously, it's very individual, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, we kind of look at exercise in, in a few different ways. The first is looking at preferences. Um, so maybe not doing what was compulsively done before. So a lot of the times it might be running or going to exercise classes and maybe removing that and just going like, can we go for a walk? Can we make it this amount of time? Can you tell someone so that you're accountable to it? And then try not to make it about things like numbers or steps and stuff like that and Mm. remove all of those previous ties with the eating disorder. But um, in a gym environment, which is kind of where I'm in, Mm. I try and make it very strength and functional based and also fun. The ultimate goal is to have them move their body in a way that makes them feel good and I think the best way to test whether you're kind of hitting the mark with that is when you leave the gym or you finish your workout or whatever activity you're doing, you should feel better than when you started uh-huh. mentally and physically. So not thrashing yourself every time. No, if you feel like you need to yeah. go have a nap after you're done, you're kind of pushing the button a little bit too much. Okay. Yeah, it's about filling up your cup a little bit Mm -hmm. more rather than draining it even further because physical activity while it has so many benefits is actually a stress on your body so if you're going through a period of like psychological stress or you've gotten a really stressful job or you're having struggles like with family or friends like you have to take that into consideration and go like hmm Maybe a really hard spin class isn't a good idea today. Yeah, right. Maybe I need to go for like a swim in the ocean or something that's a little a bit, bit more stretch. relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Nice. And we've been talking about a lot about compulsive exercise and over exercise. What about people on the flip side who have just have no motivation and don't want to go near exercise because of all their negative experiences or have never done exercise before at all? Yeah, that's a really great one. Um, and I think you know, first of all, if you're still in that mindset where you're hating exercise because it was something you feel you had to do, you need to kind of give yourself the, the, the break that you need in order to go, okay, now I'm ready to approach this because, you know, I'm ready to just be in my body. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people don't want to be in their body because they have so many preconceived ideas that, you know, they, they may be in larger bodies or they might feel like they're not fit enough to go into a gym. And to all of that, I say, wherever you are right now is the right time to start. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter your age, your background, your body size, whatever it is. It's about finding what's going to make you feel good. Yep. I think finding goals that are not aesthetic like related okay is really helpful so you know for instance if you are planning a holiday and the holiday has lots of walking involved Mm -hmm. then you can use the holiday as kind of your motivation to start walking 
or um, trying different things, mm-hmm. eventually you'll find you'll find what you know makes you feel good and energized. Yeah, and also realize that exercise doesn't have to happen in a gym. There's so many things that you can do, yes. like on YouTube or that. online or um, like social, like social. Team sports. And yeah, yeah, like that. team sports are great. It's different to like just pounding away on the treadmill. Exactly. If you can have a social element to it, it is so much better for your body and mind mm-hmm. because it kind of takes you away from like being laser focused on what you're doing because people are like, oh, people are watching me. I can't do this. Rah, rah, rah. Nobody's thinking that because they're all so wrapped up in their own world. When yes. you're in a group, you can kind of just let yourself be and interact and be in the present moment, which is so much more helpful. Mm-hmm. And outdoors and fresh air. And that yeah, sort of outdoors or help. Like, and the other thing is like trying to find, if you want to do indoor exercise, try and find a really inclusive, diverse space. So if you go to a yoga studio, it can be really good because usually there's no mirrors um, mm-hmm. and you might, you know, like when you don't know as much, you might just go to a quieter class or there are other like only women's only gyms Yeah. and really try and go to the classes where the fitness instructors are mindful of their language. This is something I'm super passionate about. If you're going to a spin class or a workout class with weights and it's all language about like turning certain body parts or burning a certain amount of energy, mm-hmm. it's going to reinforce those really negative messages. Uh-huh. If you hear those, don't be afraid to speak up and say that's really unhelpful. Right. Yeah. You, if you keep using that language, it's just reinforcing the idea that all bodies need to be exercising for weight and shape. And that's not what exercise is about at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. What about some body image tips? Obviously in recovery and during um, an eating disorder, your body could change a lot. And how, how can we cope with that? Yeah. So from a personal experience, I, find, I found that quite challenging. And I don't think there's any magic pill which makes it easier. But over time, you kind of... The longer that you sit with the discomfort, the more you realize that body image isn't stored in your fat cells. It's stored in your (laughs) brain cells. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot more to do with changing your mindset than it does with changing a body part. Um, I think for anyone struggling out there, the healthiest thing that you can do is distance yourself from people who are constantly talking negatively about their own bodies. Really try and disengage with that. Mm And like I said before, unfollow any accounts on social media, which make you feel really, really bad about yourself. But also, like, help yourself out by being comfortable. I think on the hardest, and you know, like, even people that don't have eating disorders have bad body image days, right? Like, it's normal. But try not to force yourself into, like, uncomfortable clothes, like right. wear something that is comfortable and flattering on you mm-hmm. and clean out your closet of clothes that no longer serve you. Realize that everyone goes through body changes regardless of whether they have an eating disorder or not, mm-hmm. but that your body size doesn't define you. And try to take your laser focus off of your body and onto other things. 
you know, my message for anyone out there that might be struggling with disordered eating or eating disorders or obsessive exercise is just know that whatever stage that you're at, you deserve help. You know, I think the biggest thing people get stuck in is that they don't ever feel like they're sick enough to deserve or reach out and ask for the help that they need. But what we know is that the sooner people ask for help and the sooner that they get their help, the better the outcomes will be. So I I guess that's my message and why I speak out so much about this stuff because raising awareness is so important to help the many people out there suffering know that they matter and that they can get through this. Thanks for listening. You can find Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Liz King. Her website is also sarahlizking.com and she also has a great podcast, Holistic Health Radio Podcast. Did you know that Inside Out, in collaboration with Fitness Australia, have developed recommendations for eating disorders in the fitness industry? The guideline gives recommendations for gym instructors and fitness experts to help them spot warning signs of an eating disorder among their clients and the best ways for them to get help. You can check out the recommendations in the link in the show notes. They are called the National Eating Disorder Recommendations for the Fitness Industry. For more information about Inside Out, our website is insideoutinstitute.org.au. Catch you next time. If you or a loved one needs support, please head to our website or call the National Eating Disorders Helpline at Butterfly on 1800-ED-HOPE or 1800-33-4673.